share with the men. Today we're going to think about Psalm um, 88. So uh, would you turn there uh, with me? We've sung a version of it and uh, we're going to read it from uh, God's word. And then we're going to consider what it says to us with, with God's help. So Psalm 88. God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to the grave. I'm counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead. Like the slain who lie in the grave, who you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. Selah. I'm sure you're aware that means just pause there for a moment. Uh, Think about these things. You have put away my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up and I cannot get out. My eye wastes away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Would you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Selah. Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark and your righteousness in the land of, the, of forgetfulness? But to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They came around me all day long like water. They engulfed me altogether. Loved one and friend you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. Shall we pray and ask God's blessing as we look at this psalm together? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for us. So, Lord, we pray that as you have assured us of that, we might know the reality of its application. This is scripture, it is the breathed out word of God, written by a man many years ago and far away in circumstances beyond ours, yet the reality of what it says is your word. We believe, Lord, every word is inspired, not just its sort of general meaning. And Lord, we haven't the time to look at every word. 
But we pray, Lord, that the words that are constructed from the man who wrote this, from his experience, Lord, and inspired to be written by your Holy Spirit, might find their way into our minds, into our hearts, and change our wills. Give us sights of you, Lord. Perhaps we've seen before we need reminding of. Give us new sights of you, Lord, and of ourselves, so that we might know you more. Because this is your word, and your desire is, Lord, that we should profit from it. Lord, may that be so, we pray. Uh, For your glory and for our good, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jottings. Do you do jottings? Um, I've just found out a little bit about some of you, not all of you, and uh, I realise that uh, some of you have been through really dark times and maybe are going through dark times now, difficult times. I find myself in such times, and I've been through such times health-wise and in other times, I, I find myself very often just with a pen and a pad of paper and I can't write essays and uh, I'm not writing my PhD thesis or anything like that. Um, I just jot things down. Uh, Things that I find in God's word, uh, things that I I find helpful and things I'm reading uh, to to help me. And uh, I I look back at those jottings at times uh, and my wife keeps a diary and they are such a help to us He-Man was a man many years ago and far away and he made some jottings and they became inspired by God's Holy Spirit this psalm He-Man the Ezraite sometimes we pitch into a psalm don't we and uh, we we don't read the bit at the beginning and uh, it's there to help us Uh, Because it often tells us who wrote the psalm, maybe the circumstances, uh, and maybe things, little clues about why it's written. And the jottings of Heman the Ezraite that became Psalm 88, well, they're given some uh, uh, insight, we're given some insights about it, some, some comments about it, which at the beginning I think are well worth looking at. First of all, can you see, it's a song or a psalm. Uh, it's uh, uh, by this man, uh, uh, He-Man, the Ezraite. It's a contemplation. Or if you've got a note at the bottom, it says a maskil. Well, we, if we said a maskil, we'd say, what on earth is that? Uh, if we say contemplation, I think it's that, it's that thinking, isn't it? It's that, it's that which... You know, jotting things down, thinking things through. That's what it is. It's Heman, the Ezraite, writing a maskal, contemplating, thinking. It's become a psalm. It's become a song. It's become the inspired word of God. And it's to a tune. It's interesting. Uh, you, 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 you sing unaccompanied here, which is interesting. Uh, we go into the shopping centre in Derby. And uh, I wave my arms around a bit like Jeremy. I don't know whether he knows what he's doing. I've got no idea what I'm doing. But it gets people going and singing. But we've got to have a tune. I don't know whether you realise that, but tunes are 
are important in the Psalms. And uh, they're like a frame for a picture. And uh, we can have a, a, a lovely picture and a pretty awful frame, can't we? So, oh, that really ought to be in a better frame than that. And uh, the other way around, we can have a pretty awful picture and a beautiful frame, and it gives us wrong impression. But there's a tune here, isn't there, that the people of old, in Bible times, in the times when this was written, um, like Jeremy said about the uh, Psalms of Ascents, maybe, this was sung at other times, and it's set to this tune. I will not attempt to pronounce it. You can see it. It's set to... Well, I, I won't try and say it, but it's set to that tune. And that's important because it is to be sung. And these psalms were sung because they were to be memorised. The tunes give us that framework, don't they, to memorise things. And this, this a personal contemplation, the jottings of He-Man have become this psalm that with the tune, which we've got no idea what it was, and we've got a paraphrase of it, and we've sung it to a particular tune, but it's to help us. We, we are to be drawn into this. It was sung. It was sung by the sons of Korah, sung by that choir in the, in the tabernacle and in the temple that enabled God's people to take these words and memorize them and make this psalm theirs. It's what we're meant to do with the psalm. And I hope that by preaching it through this morning, we, all of us, whether we're here as we go through it and feel I'm where you are, Ezra, that's He-Man, or whether you feel, no, I'm not, but I understand I may be, that we memorise where it is and know what it says. That's our task, to do that. So what is the theme of this psalm? What is the theme of this psalm? Some people uh, are very, very appalled that uh, others of us underline bits in our Bibles, but I think it can be helpful. I'm a man not with a good memory, so if, if somebody gives me a different Bible to read from or preach from, I'm lost because I know Psalm 88 is in the bottom left-hand corner of my Bible. And I know the theme of this psalm because when I read it through, I underlined one word three times. In verse 6, you have put me in the lowest pit in darkness. Verse 18, loved one and friend you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. And not the full word, but in verse 12, go back to verse 12, the question, shall your wonders be known in the, well, we could say, couldn't we, in the darkness This psalm is about a man who went through darkness. That's the, that's the theme. Um, we could go through every verse, and as we've rightly said at the beginning and prayed, that every word is inspired by God, and it is good. 
at times to go through line by line, precept by precept, even word by word in God's word. But sometimes it's helpful to look at a theme that comes from God's word and develop our thinking from the picture we're given, the the overall, the, the, the broader sense of what is being said. If I was preaching this uh, psalm in a different way, I might preach it into three parts. That's what, that's what uh, preachers do, isn't it? Three points. Uh, and we could do that, couldn't we, from verses 1 to 7? Because in verses 1 to 7, when he gets to verse 7, this man, he says, Selah. He says, that's the end of my point. That's what, I, that's what I've said, and we need to think about that. That's my first section, if you like. And then we go from verse 8 to 10, and he says the same thing, doesn't he? A shorter section, Selah. And then he comes and finishes it off. So we could go in those uh, three sections. We go verse by verse, we could go in three sections. But uh, I'm going to suggest to you a way of doing things today, which we've done in our own church on some occasions and I've tried to help people with the Psalms in this way most perhaps not all of the Psalms have bookends so what is said in the first verse and what is said in the last verse I like those bookends with the books on the shelf that hold everything together so look at the bookends and then Seek through reading the psalm, maybe again and again through, seek for the beating heart of the psalm. What's at the very heart of it all? Let's just do that, shall we? What are the bookends? Well, first of all, verse 1. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Here is the beginning of the psalm. We have a man, day and night. He's not just sending up an arrow prayer. It's not just a general prayer. This is a, this is a crying out to God over a, a long period of time. So what is the bookend at the end of the psalm? Well, we, we know the word. Love one and friend you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. Here's a man at the beginning of his psalm, uh, his jottings and his thinkings and his, uh, and his reflections on life and the time that he's in, and it's caused him to cry out to God day and night. And at the end of the psalm, the other bookend that's holding everything together is the theme of the psalm, it's darkness. And what's the beating heart? Well, in so many psalms, we have the psalmist, don't we, who begins in the darkness and ends in the light. <laughs> and in the middle of the psalm somewhere, we say, there it is. That's it. That's where things change. There's the beating heart. This man's heart's hardly beating, is it? Verse 6, I think is the very center of it all. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. Do you feel for this guy? Do you feel for him? If it was you, 
if these were your jottings, your thinkings, your, your, your circumstances, aren't there friends around? Aren't there people to help him? Isn't somebody coming and putting their arm around him? Well, he tells us about that, doesn't he, in verse 18. That's the end. That's his bookend at the end. Loved one and friend, you put far from me. So our heart goes out to this man. And we have this picture of darkness. You can see um, in the uh, ESV and uh, in the NIV different renderings of the last part there so verse 18 my acquaintances into darkness it says uh, in the uh, new king james in the esv it says my companions have become darkness and in the niv it says darkness is my closest friend in psalm 142 uh, verse 4 david says no one cares for my soul and here's he-man and he's in a similar position. I want to just take the psalm now and, uh, and take that theme and take our bookends and see, really, what is this about? What has this got to do with you and me? Is this just a miserable man going through a miserable time with no friends? What do we want to look at this for? Well, I'm going to give you five words. So those of you who like sort of pegs to put things on, we're going to have five words, but I'm going to give you a longer heading for each word so you can remember it perhaps in different ways. But five words. Reality. That's our first word. Reality. Here's our longer heading. Darkness is a spiritual reality of the Christian life. Darkness is a spiritual reality of the Christian life. We, we could really almost, couldn't we, ask, as it were, ask the Holy Spirit, why is this psalm in the book of Psalms? Aren't the psalms about praise aren't they about worship aren't they about comfort and the greatness of God the beauty of God aren't they about the history of God's people some of them are aren't they recounting the history of God's people aren't they an instruction for us for prayer and for life aren't they glorious songs to sing as we go up to worship in jerusalem and for the new testament new covenant people of god for us to sing in our times of worship why why inspire a man to write things that begin and end with darkness and has a theme of darkness and troubles. Can you see not only darkness, but troubles? In verse 3, my soul is full of troubles. He's got thoughts which have taken him down right to the very lowest. My life draws near 
to the grave. He's a man of thinking, thinking about death and dying. And, and he's a man who tells us that it seems that prayer, so much prayer, is unanswered. We mentioned verses, verse 1, didn't we? And verse 2, he says, let my prayer come up before you, incline to my cry. But is his prayer answered? Well, he seems to think not, because in verse 9, his eye is wasting away because of affliction. He's still calling on the Lord daily. He's stretching out his hands to him. And in verses 14 and 15, he is still doing that. Why do you cast off my soul forever? He's got lots of questions. We'll think about those questions in a moment verses 10 to 12 are full of questions and he's full of afflictions full of afflictions verse 7 your wrath lies heavy upon me you have afflicted me afflicted me verse 9 verse 15 similar things so why does God include this song why is it there Surely you don't have to put this this in the in the in the book of Psalms. Psalms of praise and good things and greatness and glory. It's there because darkness is a reality in the Christian life. Darkness is one of the realities of the Christian's experience. We must be Christians of reality. Sometimes we can be given the impression, can't we, that becoming a Christian, being a Christian, we're going to sail through life. It's just going to be so wonderful. It's going to be so glorious. And we're just going to be sort of sitting on a bed of roses, on a boat, on a beautiful calm lake and will drift into heaven yesterday we said to the ladies we didn't think that michael jackson had ever been quoted in a ladies conference uh, what about paul simon has he been quoted much by jeremy hello darkness my old friend i've come to talk with you again. You see, that's the reality of people out there in the world. The, the person who's not a Christian. There are people in desperate straits. There are people who are going through something similar to this. But here is the reality that Christians sometimes go through. Let's not put it away somewhere and hide it and pretend. No, the Holy Spirit inspired this man at this particular time to go this, through this particular situation in his life because reality, darkness, is reality. Number two, heading word number two, purpose. Purpose. Here's our longer heading. Darkness has a spiritual purpose in the Christian life. You see, without Christ... We have no purpose in life. It is so sad, isn't it, to see uh, those around us uh, trying to manufacture a purpose for life and finding that things fail and falter and, uh, and nothing satisfies and there's an emptiness and so on. But the Christian always has purpose. 
We know the verse, don't we? Of course we know the verse. If we don't know the verse, you've perhaps not been a Christian very long and you need to know it. And here it is, Romans 8, 28, one of the greatest words in the Bible. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Purpose. Christian, when you wake up in the morning, there is always purpose. And that is the thing that we can say to the unbeliever. We can say to the person without Christ. Why become a Christian? Because I have purpose in my life. I have a God who has promised to me that all things work together for a purpose, for good. The overarching sovereign goodness of God, which at times we can't understand. And, and, and Heman must have said, but I can't see any good here. Purpose. There is a purpose. There is a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. Even a purpose in this. What? But, but this man needs such help and he's in such darkness. And Yes, even a purpose in this. James 1 and verse 2 tells us, Counterculturally, counterintuitively, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Darkness is a deep trial. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces, produces patience, endurance in other words, stickability, faithfulness. You know God is producing, purposing. There is, there is in our lives as Christians a purpose for everything. Now, Heman, what else do we know about him? He begins and says, O Lord God of my what? Salvation. He is a saved man. He's a saved man. And he knows, therefore, deep in his heart, that God, his saviour, has purpose even in the darkness. We can find it, look in verse 6 and 7 and 8, where he says this. O Lord God of my salvation, you have laid me in the lowest pit in darkness. I acknowledge it's you, Lord. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. You have afflicted me with all your waves. You have put away my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I don't understand it. And I don't want it. Who wants darkness? Who wants affliction? Who wants trial? Who wants trouble? 
Vote now. No, none of us. We don't want it. We don't understand it. But God has a purpose in it. Hold on to that. Romans 8, 28. That great word, purpose. Reality? Purpose. Here's my third word. Perspective. Perspective. What do I mean by perspective? Well, we get things a bit out of perspective, don't we? We do. Leicester City, my team, dropped out of the Premier League. Tears and sorrows and... Hey, come on. Get some perspective. This is just a game. This is just football. I was hearing... Uh, uh, we were on the in the car on the way down uh, a, a podcasting it was or whatever why I fell out with football this man was telling us he was a Chelsea supporter and he'd fallen out with football and, and you think come on get some perspective we're being a bit facetious what's the perspective of the Christian life well here's our longer heading darkness in the spiritual life increases our perspective of the light darkness in the spiritual life increases our perspective of the light we must note that in the scriptures we can pull anything out of its context and out of its perspective but when we put it back into its context and its perspective we see the bigger picture and the perspective of psalm 88 is a perspective where the scriptures tell us that the predominance of the christian life is a light here's a man in darkness Oh, it's a reality. There is a purpose. <clears throat> but we need to see the perspective. The psalmists. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The perspective of the psalmist, plenty of other verses. What is the perspective that Jesus gives us? Matthew 5, verses 14 and 15. You are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden. So let your light shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There's a perspective of the Christian life being light, of Jesus himself being the light of the world. What does the Apostle Paul say? For you were once darkness, but you're now light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. 2 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 and 5. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness. What does Peter say? 1 Peter 2, verse, 5, verse 9. But you're a chosen generation, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. What does John say? 1 John 1 verse 7. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, we could, we could look at the perspective of the Bible and say, here is the reality of this man in his situation, and here is our reality. It may be our reality today. We may be going through the darkest of trials, and there is a purpose in it, but the perspective is that we are walking in the light and our God is a God of light and Jesus Christ is the light and life of our lives your perspective so we've had we've had a funny summer this year haven't we it's been a bit wet and a bit sunny but you know we'll be in the darkness soon won't we December and January but we we have a perspective because it's not like that all the time and as, as Christians, that's, that's the case, isn't it? Uh, this, he's at the lowest here, isn't he? Verse 6, we said, is really the, where his heart's hardly beating. He's at the lowest. The interesting thing is, where would you normally find He-Man? I'm going to show you him in 1 Chronicles 25. So please keep your finger in Psalm 88 and go with me if you've got a Bible in front of you or just listen to 1 Chronicles 25. In 1 Chronicles 25. One Chronicles 25. And this uh, chapter in the New King James is headed The Musicians. Starts. Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service, some of the sons of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, who should prophesy with harps, strings, instruments, cymbals, and the number of the skilled men performing their service was. And then we have a whole list of these different names. And we come down here to verse 5. All these were the sons of Heman, the king's seer, in the words of God to exalt his horn. For God gave Heman 14 sons and three daughters. All these were under the direction of their father for the music in the house of the Lord, with cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps for the service of the house of God. Asaph, Jeduthun, and Heman were under the authority of the king. So the number of them with their brethren who were instructed in the songs of the Lord, all were skillful, skillful was 288. Now, we're not going to go deep into the history and so on, but what we can see there is He-Man in a different light, can't we? We can see He-Man here with his family, this large family of which he was part of, which would have given him great joy. We can see him in the courts of David and in the worship of God, surrounded by music and sound and joy and praise. He man, are you always like you are in Psalm 88? No. The perspective of He man's life 
was one which was full of praise and joy. But he's bereft of these things for a while. That's the reality. Now there's a purpose for it. And our fourth heading is this. Time. Time. Darkness in the spiritual life may endure for a time. For a time. You know, we may learn things in the darkness that we will never learn in the light. I can tell you that from my own experience, and there are those of you who are here, I know, are going through dark times. And I can guarantee this, you are learning things about yourself, you're learning things about the world around you, you're learning things about God and his word that you would never learn in the light. Whilst Heman was full of joy and praise, surrounded by his family, there were things to learn and to grow in the things of God. But here is Heman, his jottings have become a psalm. The psalm is his reality. There is a purpose. And it is to teach him, and now to teach us, things in the darkness. And darkness is for a time. It's for a time. Uh, it's a difficult time. It's not just a blip, is it? He wouldn't write these things down in a blip. We have blips, don't we? We have difficult days. Preachers have them. So Jeremy's father was at our fraternal recently and told the men, don't resign on a Sunday night. That's a blip. Tomorrow will be a different day. We can always do that, can't we? we go, oh, it's been a terrible day. It's been a bad day. And the next day's fine. No, so Hema's not going through a blip, is he? He's going through a time. He's going through a difficult time. And Christians do. Isaiah 50, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Capital S. So... Christian, you are fearing the Lord, you're obeying the voice of his servant, of the Lord Jesus, and yet you're walking in darkness and you've got no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. There's an Old Testament perspective for us. It tells us that there are times when, when difficulties come and when we enter into darkness. What about in 1 Peter 1? 1 Peter 1 and verses 3 to 6. What does it tell us there? 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has begotten us according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that doesn't fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, although now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. It's the purpose, isn't it? There's a need to be. Well, we don't think there's a need to be in darkness. But the Lord in his great mercy says, 
there's a need be here. There is something here which is helpful to you for a time. For a time. Reality, purpose, perspective, time. Here's my last word. Dependence. Dependence. Here's my longer heading. Darkness in the spiritual life increases our dependence on God. Heman's psalm is his description of sort of how he is and where he is, isn't it? But a very large proportion of this psalm is his prayer. Now, we haven't gone through it verse by verse, word by word. I suggest perhaps you do later on today and read it through and see that maybe half of it, more of it, is actually him pouring out his heart, his soul to God, in dependence to God. Maybe he'd never really prayed like this before. How much of that is the case with us, isn't it? That our Christian lives sometimes, they, 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 they bumble along. They, they trundle along. Maybe they are times of great joy. Do you know when we bumble and trundle, our prayers are bumbly and trundly. And when the light's on and it's bright and so on, our prayers are a bit light, aren't they? And frothy. When do you really pray? When do you really pray? You're like he man, if you're like me too, we really pray when it's dark like this. And for whatever reason, and we do not know why, it seems that he has been left alone and we're told it right at the end that his loved one and his friend, they're far from him. Uh, he's in the darkness and uh, in the middle of the psalm he's told us, hasn't he, that God and his providence somehow uh, you've done this that there's something that's happened which caused him to be alone now but he's alone with god and and that's the thing isn't it in the darkness often we feel uh, perhaps wrongly but often we feel we're bereft we're on our own we're, 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 nobody's felt like this before we get down in the misery in the misery depths but but what do we do? We lift our hearts. And this is why this psalm is here. Another reason is to show us that it is to teach us dependence upon God. Now, one of the other psalms which I really love is Psalm 77. If you've got a moment, just turn, turn back there to Psalm 77 if you've got uh, your Bible in front of you. Psalm 77, verses 7 to 9. I, I, I really love this because... Uh, here is a, a, a great thing to do, to ask the questions of Asaph. Here we go. Will the Lord cast off forever? No. Will he be favourable no more? No. Has his mercy ceased forever? No. Has his promise failed forevermore? No. Has God forgotten to be gracious? No. Has he in his anger shut up his tender mercies? No. Now let's listen to He-Man. You've got the picture. Would you help me? He-Man. Psalm 88. 
verse 10 to 12. Will you or can you work wonders for the dead? Yes. Shall the dead arise and praise you? Yes. Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Yes. Your loving faithfulness in the place of destruction? Yes. Shall your wonders be known in the dark and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? Yes. Asaph is the other end and he gets all the no's. <laughs> he man, he's here and he gets all the yeses. Whether we're looking at it from Asaph's perspective or Heman's perspective, God has not gone. God is there. We discover God in the darkness. We depend upon God in the darkness. And uh, very often it is, isn't it, that we find that uh, the reality of this darkness that we go through uh, we find that uh, he has a purpose for it. And out of, out of our difficulties comes things which we would never have believed. And we get a perspective in our Christian lives. We need a balance in our Christian lives. We get a perspective because of darkness. That we love the light that much more. And we realise that it is but a time. It is but a time. And even if he takes us to glory our lives anyway are but a vapor appears for a little time and passes away and glory will come so do we just look at he-man do we just say if i got a time machine i'll be there i'd put my arms around this guy uh, I, I, I'd want to reassure him and tell him I'd want to shout out the answers to his questions Or are we meant to see beyond? Because the Old Testament is like a great searchlight that swings out and shines on the new and points us there. It points us to one who went through darkness. For us, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane what darkness was his what reality was his but what purpose was there in that time in that garden what perspective there is from that view of our Lord and for that time he was there. But that is not where the searchlight ends. For it goes to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went to that cross for you and for me. And he went through darkness beyond any darkness that you and I will ever know. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was anyone ever in such darkness? Why was he there in that darkness? 
so that you would never be there. So that you would be given that promise and hope and certainty and assurance of the light of heaven, of glory to come. Not the darkness of the pit and of the grave, but the light and the glory of heaven forevermore. And there's the perspective that one day all darkness will be done. He-man will look around and he will have friends and acquaintances by the million. He will have a saviour who he will say, I remember that day when I wrote that psalm, O Lord God of my salvation, and now I see my saviour face to face. So we're not looking at Heman, though we feel so much for him, but we're looking at our saviour really in the end. And we're seeing that the darkness that we go through is because he went through darkness for us. And one day we will see him in light. What light that will be. But when I fear my faith will fail, he can hold me fast. Because he has known such darkness, hasn't he? He has known a darkness beyond any darkness that we know. And as a Christian believer, we rest on the one who knows us and understands us and carries us through the darkest of times.